Welcome to Searching the Scriptures. Our Bible teacher will be Gunther von Haringa Sr. In Acts 17.11 we read, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. So without further ado, let's look into God's Word, the Bible. Welcome to our BMI Sunday Online Fellowship. Let's begin with a word of prayer, shall we? Father, we are so grateful for another opportunity, uh, another Sabbath day that you have given to us, and we thank you for all of your blessings and for how you have taken care of us uh, this last week. And we pray, Father, that you would bless uh, your people today uh, on your holy day, and we pray that uh, whatever might be said, uh, that you would bless each aspect of this fellowship, the singing of the hymns, the Bible study, the questions and answers. Uh, Father, we just uh, look to you uh, because we're totally dependent on you for everything, not only spiritually, but physically in every way. And so we thank you that you have allowed us to have this opportunity. We commit this time to you and ask that everything might be done uh, to your honor and glory especially. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our first hymn is going to be Wholehearted Thanksgiving.
Our next hymn is going to be, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less.
Our third hymn is going to be, What a Friend We Have in Jesus.
All right, let's uh, again begin with a word of prayer and ask God for his blessing upon our study. Father, again, we thank you that we have this uh, wonderful privilege to be able to study your word and to be able to read your word. Uh, Father, what an enormous blessing this is that we have the word of God that we can hold uh, in our hands and uh, we can handle the word of life as it is. And so we pray that whatever might be said would be faithful to your word. We pray that you would correct anything that is not. And again, we thank you that we have the wonderful patience and comfort of the scriptures to give us hope. Uh, We ask these things with thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen. This is going to be 2 Peter 2, part 12. And today's date is November 19th. 2017. I'll go ahead and read verses 9 through 17 of 2 Peter 2. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. But chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government. Presumptuous are they, self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. But these, as natural brute beasts, made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not and shall utterly perish in their own corruption, and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness, as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots they are, and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. Having eyes full of adultery, and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls, and heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity, the dumb ass speaking with man's voice, forbade the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. Last Sunday we left off at the uh, last part of verse 9, which states, and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. And we uh, have discussed this word to reserve previously in verse 4. It's uh, Strong's number 5083. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. Also, we're going to see it again Uh, when we get down to verse 17. uh, There it's also translated as is reserved. 
These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. And we want to keep in mind that this is referring to the false teachers or false prophets, both in the Old Testament as uh, the uh, first verses in Second Peter uh, uh, actually tell us that. Uh, I'll read verse uh, 1. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you who privily shall bring in damnable heresies or destructive heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. So we want to keep that in mind as far as the overall context. Now, with the word unjust, we've also uh, reviewed this before. It's Strong's number 94, so we won't uh, go over that material again. And it's only found uh, in one place in the books of First and Second Peter, although it does appear in a number of other uh, New Testament uh, writings. First uh, Peter 3:18 says, "For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh." but quickened or made alive uh, by the Spirit. Uh, the next phrase or is two words, uh, the day of judgment. And of course, we're very familiar with this Greek expression because we're living in this very day when this is taking place. Uh, this is the final time and season that God has revealed to us uh, to God's elect people, uh, and uh, individually, uh, these uh, two terms surfaced previously in verses 4 and 8 as well. Uh, by the way, the day is 2250, and judgment is 2920. And if you recall, uh, judgment is the word crisis, uh, just like we have in English except with a K. And uh, 2250, the day is Hemera. Uh, for if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. And then verse 8, uh, speaking of Lot, for that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day. Uh, we have it twice there, with their unlawful deeds. Uh, however, uh, these two terms uh, appear together in uh, nine passages, and we'll consider a few of them. And as it turns out, we see uh, the most number of times that they appear together is actually in the book of Matthew. So if we go to Matthew 10:15, uh, we read there, Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Uh, similarly, in Matthew 11, uh, 22 and 24, 
with regard uh, to Tyre and Sidon, we read there, But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. Also, Matthew 12.36 adds this, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. And uh, lastly, uh, Jude one six, which we've also uh, seen before, states, And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Now, we find in uh, 1 John 4.17, one of the uh, many characteristics of the day of judgment, uh, we read there, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. And I'd like to take a closer look at this passage because, number one, it relates to our day, and I think it would be helpful to be reminded of some of these uh, spiritual implications that God has hidden uh, in this verse. We do understand from Second Peter 2.9, the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations or trial and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Uh, we understand that both the elect as well as the non-elect are on two uh, different sets of parallel tracks uh, during this present day of judgment, and each are experiencing two distinct spiritual realities. The non-elect, of course, are under the wrath of God, and God is scrutinizing them and highlighting their sins openly for all the world to see. Uh, they brazenly display their hatred for God and for his word by plunging deeper and deeper into sin. And thanks to the instant communication process that God has allowed mankind to develop in recent times, God is underscoring their wickedness as never before in human history. Then on the other hand, we have the elect who, like Lot, are being vexed by what they see going on on a daily basis. And uh, this is not only ongoing, but it's ever increasing as well. But for the elect, there's also something else going on, and that is this fiery trial of faith initiated by God to openly uh, ascertain if those who claim to be believers are really gold, silver, precious stones as they emerge from this blast furnace, so to speak, as a vessel for the finer. 
according to Proverbs 25.4, which says, Take away the dross from the silver, and there shall come forth a vessel for the finer. Or, if they are merely wood, hay, and stubble, which will be burned up after a while, since God himself, we read, is a consuming fire, in Hebrews 12:29, which actually quotes in part Deuteronomy 4:24, for Jehovah thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. I'll go ahead and read First uh, John 4:17 and 18 uh, also, since they contain some of the same uh, terms, and they actually. Uh, complement each other and round out this thought that God is uh, placing before us. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. These two uh, uh, words, herein is our love and made perfect, are repeated at the beginning of verse 17 and also at the end of verse 18. They also appear uh, in a couple other places. Uh, We read in 1 John 2, 5, But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. And also uh, 1 John 4.12 stipulates, No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected. In us. Now, in these two citations, we find, among other truths, that God's love is perfected or fulfilled, as it's sometimes translated, in the life of an elect child of God by keeping or obeying the Word of God and also by loving the brethren. And I'm sure that <clears throat> you'll recall that. Uh, During the day of salvation, one of the hallmarks of the child of God was to show that love by wanting the best for his neighbor. And of course, the best would be salvation. And so our efforts were directed uh, down that road to be able to get the gospel out to the nations uh, of the world, the nations of the elect, actually. And also, uh, now that we're in the day of judgment, the same principle applies, but it's not going out for salvation, but rather it's going to feed God's people, to nourish them, to encourage them, to edify them spiritually with 
the same information, which is the Bible, which is the Word of God. Because as I said uh, in the prayer, that is the patience and comfort of the scriptures that we read about in Romans 15, 4. And because of that, that is really the the task that God has given to his people at this present time. And we have to uh, take that very seriously. We also have to uh, understand that it's just as important as the task of getting the gospel into the world during the day of salvation. Both are equally important because God is the one that is giving the marching orders. And so we submit to that and we recognize as always that God's will, whatever that might be, is perfect. And we are to keep that in mind as well. Now, the term boldness, which is Strong's number 3954, is predominantly translated this way, but it can also be rendered as confidence and plainly. Uh, in fact, in John 16:25, uh, this is how it appears as the word plainly. These things have I spoken unto you in proverbs or parables, but the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in proverbs, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. Also in Ephesians 6:19. Here it is rendered as boldly. And for me, uh, this is speaking about Paul under divine inspiration, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. The same boldness that was required during the day of salvation is required during the day of judgment as we go about this task of feeding sheep. Uh, Hebrews 3, 6, on the other hand, uh, expresses this word as confidence. But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. And this is similar uh, to the statement that Jesus made. If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. Also in Hebrews uh, 10.35, the word uh, confidence is used here as well. Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. And in 1 John 2 8, we find it again, and now little children abide in him, that when he shall appear we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. And then one last reference is uh, 1 John 5.14. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And that's very important, according to his will. Uh, 
Uh, James speaks about this where he talks about ye ask amiss because ye consume it upon your lust. And so we always want to make sure that whatever we're asking for would be according to the will of God. We see this very clearly in the garden where Christ three times uh, asks for the cup to pass and yet resigns himself to the Father's will each time. <clears throat> Excuse me. The expression, as he is, is uh, very interesting. It's made up of three words, and of course, it's referring to the Lord Jesus, and it only appears again in 1 John 3, 3, and also in uh, verse 7. And notice, if you will, the Greek adjectives that reveal two of Christ's divine characteristics, that of being pure and righteous. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. And pure is Strong's number 53. Uh, then uh, in verse 7 we read, Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. And righteous is Strong's number 1342. And that is actually one of Christ's name. He's called righteous. And it's the same exact word, the identical word that surfaces in Second Peter 2, uh, 7 through 8, that we considered before, in which three times a lot is uh, characterized as being righteous and delivered just which is this word righteous lot vexed with the filthy conversation or conduct of the wicked for that righteous man second time dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul his righteous is again the third time from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Now note that it says his righteous soul. It didn't say soul and body or body, it said soul. And for a good reason, because a believer is made righteous in his soul. That's why we read language where uh, his seed remains in him. He can never sin again in his soul where we sin is in our bodies because our bodies uh, have not been saved and so they lust after sin and what we want to do with God's help is to keep our bodies under uh, not to let them have the dominion uh, over our soul uh, and also we can look forward to the resurrection of our bodies uh, on the at the very end of this uh, time of judgment uh, as we read for example in verse 30 of Romans 8 28 to 30 and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are the called according to his purpose 
For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren, that is, the firstborn or first begotten from the dead. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. And that will take place when our bodies are either transformed, if we're still alive on that day, or they'll come up out of the ground and they'll be uh, transformed into this uh, glorious uh, spiritual body. And the term glorified is Strong's number 1392. It actually uh, stems from a, a root word. It's actually a doxa is the root word, uh, 1391, I believe. And it's primarily uh, rendered as glorify. And you might recognize uh, that it's related to our English word doxology. Uh, the first part of that word doxology uh, stems from this uh, Greek uh, root. Now I'll read First uh, John four seventeen through eighteen again. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth, casteth out fear because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. It's significant that God has crafted this verse with these two thoughts side by side. As he is, referring to the Lord Jesus, and so are we in this world. And I think one of the reasons of why he's done this is because of the fact that, again, it highlights uh, what we have been learning as far as Christ's body being completed on earth since May 21, 2011, and the body of Christ is being manifested, uh, as we read in 2 Corinthians 5.10, it's on display. And this would also include the fact that as his body, believers are filling up the sufferings of Christ, uh, as we find in Colossians 1.24. And in so doing, we are walking in the footsteps of the Lord Jesus, who also suffered while he was on this earth. And so we, as his body, are doing the very same thing. Uh, this is a, in uh, stark contrast to what God is doing by exposing and underscoring the sins of various sectors uh, in our society at large uh, as part of his overall plan for this day of judgment, as we read in verse 15 of Revelation 19, 11 through 18. Uh, here we find the term rule, 
which is Strong's number 4165. And it's a very uh, interesting word because of the fact that it's uh, translated as rule four times, but seven times as feed. And this again is underscoring the delineation between the elect who are being fed and nourished by the word of God and the non-elect who are being ruled over and judged simultaneously by the word of God. Again, this is Revelation 19, 11 through 18. And I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. If you recall, the fine linen has to do with the righteousness of the saints. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together, unto the supper of the great God, that ye may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. All right, let's move on then to 1 John four eighteen. Uh, and again, one of the reasons we've taken this little detour uh, to investigate 1 John 4, 17 and 18 is because we're discussing the phrase, the day of judgment in 2 Peter 2, 9b. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations or trials and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. And so we're encountering over and over again this division or dichotomy of the two main classes of people on earth from God's vantage point, and that is the elect and the non-elect. And in the process, God is also revealing more and more how he is dealing with each of them and of course fine-tuning our understanding of the truths we have been learning as well as new information that he wants his people to know prior to ushering in the new heavens 
and new earth uh, at the end of this prolonged fiery trial. I'll read uh, verse 18, 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. In this verse, we discover that, that, that there is no fear in love, because fear hath torment. How are we to understand this spiritually? In what way does fear hath torment? Uh, fear, by the way, is Strong's number 5401. It's phobos, where we get our English word phobia from. And torment is 2851, Colossus. Uh, we find these two words only together here in this verse. So we're going to have to treat them uh, separately. And I'd like to start with uh, torment first. It actually crops up one other time uh, as punishment. And this is in verse 36 of Matthew 25, uh, 32 to 46, which again is another uh, reference uh, where it's outlining or, or making the, the distinction between the elect and the non-elect. Uh, and again, very uh, apropos for our, our day right now. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was an hungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungered, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me not in. Naked, and ye clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, 
When saw we thee and hungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment. That's our word, 2851. But the righteous into life eternal. We have to keep in mind that this is speaking spiritually. We recognize that uh, it, it's, it was applicable during the day of salvation, but it's also applicable now, although not in terms of salvation, but in terms of feeding sheep. Uh, like we uh, saw the, in the illustration, I believe in Luke, where the man comes in from the field and he's expecting to have a time of rest where he can eat and rest. And then the master says, no, not yet. I have another job for you to do. And that is that you're going to feed me first and then you'll be able to rest. And so if you tie that into this parable, we understand that this is our task today to feed sheep, because in so doing, we are feeding the master, just as he brought out in this parable. Um, now, another interesting thing about the word torment, again, Strong's number 2851 and that is that it has a root word, which is 2849, Colosso. And it turns out that this takes us right back to Second Peter 2.9, full circle, uh, because uh, it's found uh, only in Second Peter 2.9 and in one other verse. Uh, but in Second Peter 2.9, it's rendered as to be punished which is actually the last word that we, that, uh, in this verse. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Again, that's Strong's number 2849. The other place where we find this root word, 2849, uh, is in verse 21 of Acts uh, 4, uh, 8 through 22. <clears throat> Excuse me. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, and this is just to get the context, this was after the healing of the impotent man, and uh, Peter and the others are brought before the council for questioning. Uh, then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him, 
doth this man stand here before you whole? This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and by the way, this is the same word boldness that we find in First Peter um, that we saw uh, earlier. Uh, uh, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And beholding the man which was healed, standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them as manifest to all that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them, that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And they called them, and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them. They might punish uh, is, is this word... Uh, the the root word uh, twenty eight forty nine. Be, uh, so when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them, because of the people, for all men glorified God for that which was done, for the man was above forty years old on whom this miracle of healing was showed. I think we'll stop here today, and Lord willing, next Sunday we'll start up with verse 10 uh, of Second uh, Peter 2. It says, But chiefly them that walk after the flesh, in the lust of uncleanness, and despise government. So uh, with that, let's uh, see if we have any uh, questions. Uh, today we'll go right into our uh, questions and answers. And if we do have a question, I'm going to try to answer with the only authority that we have, which is the Word of God. Uh, this is our source of truth, and this is uh, the only place that we have to go with 
reliable information as we compare Scripture with Scripture and as God might open our eyes to His truth. Unless God opens our eyes, no matter how diligent we might be, no matter how much prayer uh, we might uh, uh, beseech God with, ultimately, God has a timetable for revealing truth. And so we have to submit ourselves all together to Him. Uh, we have a question in Psalm 119, uh, verse 34. Uh, uh, verse 34? All right. It's uh, Psalm 119, verse 34. Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. And this is exactly the point I was trying to make, uh, and that is that, number one, understanding also has to do with salvation, um, because it says the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. And so we have that aspect in here as well. But unless God gives us uh salvation, obviously, we cannot obey God's word. In fact, there's, in the matter of salvation, there's absolutely nothing we can do. After God saves us, we have to recognize that there's a principle that kicks in, and that is Philippians 2.13. For it is God who works in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. And because of that, because the, the, uh, the, uh, the new believer is infilled with the Holy Spirit, then uh, he is able, by God's grace, to, to live in a matter that is, is uh, aligned with the Scriptures. Obviously, he doesn't do it perfectly, but that's why we recognize that God is the one that has to give us the faith of Christ and the righteousness of Christ as a robe, as a gift, as it were, that he clothes of us with. And without that clothing, we have no hope. We would be like the man that was invited to the wedding feast. And the host comes in to view all the guests, and he sees a man sitting over here, and the man doesn't have on a wedding garment. Uh, it's not a matter of etiquette, that God is highlighting at this point, uh, like, you know, you don't have a tux on. How come you came in without a tux? That, that's not the point. The point is that the fact that he was lacking a wedding garment meant that he did not have the robe of Christ's righteousness. And then we hear those awful words, bind him hand and foot and cast him into outer darkness uh, because he's not part of, of the kingdom of God. And those that are not part of the kingdom of God are going to die and eventually be annihilated at the end of this uh, prolonged day of judgment. Um, when it says to uh, give me understanding and I shall keep thy law, yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. 
the word uh, keep and observe are, uh, I don't have it in the Hebrew, so I don't know if they're the, the exact same words, but the idea is the same, keeping, observing. It's not just observing from afar. It's actually obeying. That's really what's in view. It's, it's a matter of, of the heart. Uh, remember how Jesus had said, uh, this people uh, honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Uh, and this, this is the dilemma. Uh, this is the problem that he found uh, with national Israel. This is the problem that uh, arose with regard to the churches and denominations because they, they felt that by doing external things, that that would be sufficient to save them, whether it was water baptism or whether it was physical circumcision uh, during the time of the Old Testament. That's where their trust was. That's where their hope was. Uh, we even find this uh, in the Old Testament with regard to the temple, where, and, and I forget the verse, but it's, it's repeated three times where God is saying, don't say the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, because, you know, God is concerned with the heart, and God is the one that has to circumcise our heart, and he does that by his word uh, during the day of salvation, and that very intricate, delicate operation is something that only the divine physician God himself can do. But they overlooked that verse. They ignored that verse, which is even worse, uh, because if they had just sat down just for a little bit and pondered that verse, they would realize very quickly, wait a minute, there's nothing. If I, I, can't, circ if I can't circumcise my heart, then I certainly, it's not going to do any good to, keep all, to try to keep all these other things. Uh, also, uh, James 2.10 tells us that if we've broken one law, we've broken all, all of them. And so that is the problem. But thank you. That was uh, a very good question, uh, and I appreciate the verse. All right, I don't think we have any other uh, questions at this point. So uh, why don't we go ahead and close with our last uh, three hymns. Uh, the first one is, This is My Father's World.
Our next hymn is going to be, O Sacred Head Now Wounded.
Our last hymn is Jesus, the Very Thought of Thee. All right, shall we uh, close in a word of prayer? Our dear Heavenly Father, we uh, are grateful for this time that we've been able to spend together. We pray that you would uh, continue to strengthen and encourage your people around the world, Father, as we wait for you. uh, And we pray for patience. And we know that if we pray for patience, many times you're going to give us more trials to teach us patience. But yet we recognize that our great need for you moment by moment throughout each day as you sustain us physically, spiritually, mentally, and every other way, Father. And we thank you that we have you to turn to, that we can cast all of our cares upon you because we know that you do care Uh, not only for this world in a general sense as you cause it to reign upon the just and the unjust, but uh, particularly your elect, whom you have loved with an everlasting love. Uh, 
And so we thank you and give you the praise and the honor and the glory which you alone deserve. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today for Searching the Scriptures. Until next time, to God be the glory.